1: Today she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset, part of the Her Insight Network on TogiNet. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka
0: welcome welcome everybody to the million dollar mindset this has truly been a million dollar mindset day for me so i'm excited to uh help you achieve your million dollar mindset and today we have a great guest to help us do that um this gal is a british teenager who's lived on two continents traveled on mission trips to south america She's South Africa. She's won international writing awards and wrote her first full novel at the age of, get this, 14. And she's also recently rubbed elbows with our first lady, Michelle Obama, when she's been featured in the Win, Women of Wisdom Performance magazine. So what a lot of amazing accomplishments by the age of 17. Hello, Grace Hatton. How are you? Hi, Mala. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm just doing great today. I'm very excited to be here and learn about how you've managed to achieve all of this, this great <laughs> stuff <laughs> by the time you're 17. You know, I work with female entrepreneurs in my business, Grace, and it's, it's funny how many limiting blocks and beliefs can get in our way yeah. and how long it takes to achieve our dreams. And here you are having done so much by the age of 17. What's been your primary inspiration Um, Well, that's
2: always hard when people ask me that, Um, but mainly my parents have been a big inspiration for me because, as you said, I am British, I immigrated to the States when I was 12, and one of the reasons my parents made the decision to move to the U.S. was, you know, you have America, the land of prosperity, the land of free, and all that, and so they wanted to really give us an opportunity to kind of shoot for the stars, as it were, and so they basically said, you know, do whatever you want, we'll support you in it, and um I really loved writing. When I was 12, I started writing when we came here, and I just wanted to do it. And like I said, when I was 14, I'd finished my first four-month novel, and I was like, okay, I want to do this, I want to do this. And most people would be like, ah, yeah, you know, finish high school, go to college, mm-hmm. then you can write, you know, you know, then you can publish your first novel. But my parents and my family were very much, you know, just like, just go for it. You know, there's no reason why you can't do something at 14, you know, and then 25, or, you know, age is not an issue or a barrier, and also I'm very inspired by um, God and the wisdom that he's giving me and everything like that, so kind of a multiple things that come together. <laughs>
0: Wow. Your parents truly are an inspiration. And and I love that you immigrated here when you were only 12 years old and that your parents did that. And, you know, kind of reminds me of a conversation I had with a client the other day who said, you don't know what you don't know. And there was a point in her life when she was younger where she didn't know any limitations. She just yeah. thought anything was possible. And so it kind of sounds like, in a way, you know, you came to the land of prosperity and and you didn't, you know, accept limitations either. Yeah, definitely. Wow, how fabulous! So you came here. You um, you've traveled on mission trips to South Africa. Was that before or after you you came here?
2: Um, that was well. I did do some mission trips in England, but that was mainly around the UK. I did a, mission, a couple of mission trips to Ireland, um, but my South Africa mission trip was actually when I was sixteen. Um, mm-hmm. and that so that was when I was here, and that was kind of a huge deal for me because you know, a mission trip to South Africa because I was there for two months isn't exactly mm-hmm. the cheapest thing in the world. And so I had to really push to get the funding for that to be able to go. And I was like, right up to the last minute, I was like just getting donations oh. in and stuff like that. Um, but I believe that I got there. And when I got there, you know, it was just such it was a relief to even get there. And then of yeah. um, being in South Africa and being around those kids, because I did two things. I taught in... Um, I taught English in African high schools out in the villages. And then in Johannesburg, um, we went to what they call the squatter camp, which is basically strips of land where people who can't afford a house, people who mm-hmm. come to Johannesburg for work but then can't find anything, they basically, you know, become squatters. And so they all live in these little shacks with no electricity, no running water. But mm-hmm. And so we went there, and we'd help them build their shacks. We'd help get water for them. We basically did whatever they needed. And mm-hmm. to me, it was kind of crazy because... We were living you know with conditions that in america you know you think of every day like plumbing and showers and you know (laughs) bed and all that stuff but at the same time the kids in south africa and the families in south africa were just so grateful you know even for the little things they i remember talking to mothers in the spa camps who had immigrated from zimbabwe and places like that and they you know had no money had didn't have a job they just had their children but they were They were so thankful that their children were even alive, you know. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was just a really big thing that it doesn't matter. You know, we have so much over here. And when I came back, I was even Mm -hmm. thankful for plumbing. I was like, yay, plumbing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we have so much here. but we forget that sometimes, you know, because we we always think about the person who has more. But the truth (laughs) is, we have so much already. And if you Mm -hmm. focus on that part, everything else just kind of naturally gets better. You know what I'm saying?
0: Those are such incredibly wise words, and Grace, I can't even tell you, I'm, you know, hearing those words come out of a 17-year-old's mouth is just so refreshing, because gratitude and having gratitude for what is, is such an important part of what I call the million-dollar mindset, right? It's yeah. about appreciating the abundance that we have, whatever level of abundance that is, right? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I love that you know that already, because, girl... You've already done so many amazing things, but I can't wait to touch base when you're 35 and see what you've (laughs) achieved. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully, (laughs) I'll be (laughs) really happy. So it sounds like, you know, you, you went over to South Africa with a really, really great and really determined mindset. Yeah. But you came back with this gratitude for your abundance and everything that you have. And what else did that trip teach you?
2: It's hard. Well, it inspiring me to do a lot of things that I hadn't, well, I thought about, but I hadn't really put a plan to, if that makes sense. Um, when I was in South Africa, one of the things that really kind of shook me, I guess, um, is when we're teaching in the high schools, a lot of the questions you get would be, oh, have you met Chris Brown and Rihanna? Do you have a boyfriend? You know, all this kind of, so even though it's sweet, you know, like um, superficial things. And then we're in one classroom and we done, we done our presentation, you know, we talked, and every classroom was different. Sometimes we just talked, sometimes we'd actually teach a lesson. It really depended on the class. Um, but I remember that classroom, we basically were just talking and asking questions, you know, stuff like that. And then when we finished, when well, our time was finished, um, all the kids were coming up and like, let me take a picture of you. Um, but then at the very end, there was this one girl who'd waited patiently the whole time. She hadn't, you know, tried to run in for a picture, hadn't tried to grab a sign or anything. And she came up to me at the end, and she said, I have a question for you. I was like, hey. She said, how, how do I get into an American college so I can get a degree so I can change my village? And I was like, oh, you know? <laughs> because in my mind, I was going, even, even if I could give her a contact into an American school, I knew there was no way that girl from a South African village could afford to go to an American college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of like, what do I say? You know, because you, you, you just see it in her eyes. She really wanted to get a good education and make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that I was inspired to do because of that trip, and this isn't come to fruition yet, but it will, is to create kind of like Oprah's school, um, schools, create mm-hmm. schools in South Africa and other third world countries for girls who want to make better education for themselves and become a change their village or change their nation. And so since that trip, I've been working a lot with um, organizations to help promote, you know, girls' education and all that stuff because I think we sometimes, same thing again, we take for granted the education we do have. It may not be the most perfect education, um, but coming from England, you know, I had English education, and then I came here and I've had American education. And those things are so good, and we have that access, which a lot of girls don't have, but yet they have the passion to want to change it. And mm-hmm. so, that just kind of inspired me to make a difference and to fight for those girls in those villages and to really, in the long run, hopefully be able to make a true difference for them. Mm. So there was, there was that and lots of other little things, you know, just kind of little memories. If you ask me, so on about Pan yeah. Africa forever, I could, you know, <laughs> just one of those things that kind of stick to me forever. And I'm, I'm hoping for a more missions trips um, as I get older. But yeah, so it's just. It's one of those amazing experiences that I'll treasure forever, and I want to go buy to South Africa so badly. Oh, <laughs> um, and so. they would
0: be so lucky to have you there. I can't, I can't believe uh, how well you do with the big picture thinking. I mean, you come back from one simple little question and look on someone's face, and you start this whole movement to yeah. grace. <laughs> Such a wonderful, wonderful thought you have going there. And I know it will come to fruition for you. I know it will. And, uh, and so they're very blessed, too, that, that you have them on your mind and that you're they're a part of what you're doing. And yeah. I, I love that, you know, you've just got such a, a big picture here. It's not just about publishing a book, which we're going to talk about after this break that we have coming up. But it's also about helping others, which is also a very important part of that million-dollar mindset. Because when we give, it not only helps improve you know, the world and, and others' lives, but it also comes back. It also comes back to us. And that's part of attracting the abundance and, and the love and the joy and the inner peace and the wealth and all the things that are important to us. And so, Grace, you are not only learning a great lesson, but you're giving back by teaching that incredibly powerful lesson as well. So, wow, thank you for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, we're going to go into a break in a few seconds here. And um, so, Grace, why don't you tell us where we can find you on the Internet? Um, we well can find me many places
2: on the Internet. <laughs> uh-huh. but My main website is www.grace.com hatton.com and you spell my last name h-a-t-t-o-n um and if you go on that main website it has all the links to my myspace my youtube all my other sites so it's gracehatton.com
1: Friday mornings at 10 Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's The Million Dollar Mindset, part of the Her Insight Network on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
0: Well, I hope you've been listening to the first segment, because if you haven't, you've really missed some great and, and wise insights from our guest today. Grace Hanton is only 17 years old, and she's already published a best-selling book, uh, which has been endorsed by Mark Victor Hansen. She's rubbed elbows with Michelle Obama in an interview in Women in Wis- uh, Wisdom Performance Magazine. She's traveled to, to several continents and done mission trips, and oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> I feel like, oh, okay, what have I done with my life after talking to you? <laughs> I love this. It just goes on. Hey, Grace, let's turn the, the topic now to your book, The Guys, yes. the Roses, and the Regrets. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about what this book is about and, and your inspiration behind writing it.
2: Well, um, The Guys, the Roses, and the Regrets is a self-help book, for Teenage Girls and Young Women, um, about relationships and dating. And um, the story of how that happened, because everyone's always like, why did you write a book about dating? You know, because mm-hmm. most people who write dating books have like a PhD in relationships or whatever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> when I was 14, 15, um, I actually had this summer. Me and my friends had this summer where like everything that could go wrong with guys went wrong. And to this day, I don't know why, but it was just that <laughs> summer. And so one of my friends, you know, had her boyfriend pressured into having sex and then he dumped her and bad her all over the school and then one of my other friends had this whole cheating situation and it was just like everything that could go wrong for me and for my friends went horribly wrong. And I was like, well, and at the end of the summer, we, you know, we're all kind of heartbroken and upset and I was like, well, why are we so upset by this? Because none of us really loved these guys, you know, none of us wanted to marry them. We're only like 15. <laughs> so we were like really really upset and we were like all heartbroken and thought that he was the one even though we really didn't think we were gonna marry him or anything so I started thinking about relationships and I actually started ranting because writing for me is really an outlet as well you know to like all my frustrations my fears all that stuff and so I kind of started you know got on the laptop and started ranting about boys and relationships and all that stuff and the more I wrote, the more I started thinking about the things that teenage girls and women as well really don't understand about guys in relationships. And for me, there's three things we don't understand as women was, first of all, guys. You know, a lot of us don't understand how guys think, especially how guys think about relationships. You know, we assume that they're on the same brainwave as us when they're really not. And then the second thing was um, the roses, which for me was all about romance because I'd seen a lot of my friends and me kind of be tricked by false romance that was really just a way to get what they wanted. And so I wanted to explore what real romance was and what that looked like. And then the last thing was the regrets, because um, when I went into the bookstore looking for books on dating, a lot of them talked about how to find your Prince Charming and how to be ready for Prince Charming, but no one really talked about what to do when Prince Charming kind of screwed you over. So, I, w- I wanted to write about that, you know, how, how do you get over a bad relationship, especially when you're a teenager and it feels so horrible, you know, you feel like you're never going to find anyone ever again. Um, how to get over those bad relationships and how to look out for good relationships in the future so you're not stuck in the same situation. And so, that's what that really book was about and I wanted to write it while I was still young because... A lot of my friends didn't want to read books written mm-hmm. by 40-year-old psychologists, you know, because no matter how hard an adult tries, when you write a book for teenagers, it kind of sounds like to a teenager like you're being yelled at, you know. Mm-hmm. So I wanted, I wanted to write a book that felt like it was just me as a teenage girl talking to my friend who was a teenage girl. And so that's why I really wrote that book. So it would give a way for teenage girls to get the information without feeling like they were being yelled at or preached at.
0: Yeah. So, now, okay, so you may not have a PhD in relationships, but Grace, you already have a PhD in life. <laughs> <laughs> you have such a wonderful understanding of so many things that, that I think most teenagers wouldn't even um, begin to think about, let alone grasp so well. Um, did you do like tons of research about how guys think, and the difference between the way they think and the way girls think, or did all this just kind of intuitively come to you?
2: It was half and half. I mean, um, out of the house I grew up—my parents were inner city ministers in England—and the house we grew up in was the red light district. Um, and so, the house we actually grew up in actually doubled as a rehab center. So. Yeah. We had, my nanny was an ex-prostitute. I had uncles who were ex-drug addicts. And to me, that was normal because I didn't know any different. <laughs> um But, you know, so when I was growing up in that, I kind of saw the worst of relationships, you know, how really not to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I saw my parents who have been married now for 25 years, and I kind of saw the right way to do it. And then as I got older and as I got into a relationship myself, I kind of looked at it and I was like, yeah, you know, this, this part isn't working. This part does work. And honestly, uh, my book is a faith-based book, so I looked at the Bible as well and what God said about Mm. relationships. I think God has a pretty good idea about the whole woman-man thing is supposed to work.
0: probably. (laughs) And
2: and so it's kind of a combination of those things. And I did read some other dating books, you know, did a little bit of research. But it just kind of all came together. All the stuff I learned from my parents, from living in the rehab center when I was growing up, from my own experiences with dating and from the Bible, it just kind of all
0: came together. (laughs) All came together and, you know, you, you could have gone a very different way, Grace, you know, looking at it from a different viewpoint, being exposed to the things that you were exposed to growing up, but, you know, you chose to really take the learnings and the lessons and the love and, and move it to a whole higher level, so, yeah. wow, good for you, you go. <laughs> wow, and you're right, I, you know, I, I love that you wrote this book from your teen voice because teens do need a friend. Yeah. And uh, it's great that somebody like you is able to reach out and, and be that friend. So tell me, what's your opinion on, on why women, um, as you say, settle for a frog instead of waiting for a prince? What's that about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I just like using those analogies. Um The main thing I've
2: seen tell people about relationships is as women, the way we're built, and sometimes we think, you know, it's just our individual craziness, but it's not. It's the way women are built as a gender. We're built to want, you know, a family, and we're built to want the right white picket fence and the two kids and all this. And if you think about it, when you were seven, you know, you were pretending you were planning out your wedding. You know, there's a reason mm-hmm. that we do that. It's not because we're crazy or because you know. It's because we're built to want to be in a relationship. We're built to want to be protected. No matter how strong we are or how career-driven we are, we want that relationship. And so what happens is a lot of, especially teenage girls and women, who don't really know who they are yet, they they think that all that value comes from a relationship. And so a guy comes along, you know, who's pretty talking and all that, and you just kind of go with it because, especially as a teenage girl, if it's your first relationship, it's like, oh, someone actually likes me. You know, and it's a big deal. You get all the butterflies in your stomach. You're like, ooh. Um, But when you get into that relationship, you kind of see all the problems, you know, and all, as I say, all his warts, you know, why he's really not such a great guy and why he's really kind of not a good relationship or how he treats you. But the thing is, in your head, you're thinking that somehow he could be the one. And so you look over all the bad things. You look over all his warts because you desperately want to see that Prince Charming in him. But the truth is, we can't make a frog into a Prince Charming, and that's where a lot of women and teenage girls go wrong. They stay with these guys who really aren't good for them. but They want so desperately to see a Prince Charming that they think they can stick it out. You know, and so that's kind of the main reason why we do that. And I always say, I think it's better, you know, to wait for a Prince Charming, or at least, you know, a good guy than have to go through all that crap with (laughs) I hate that saying, I can't remember, it's something like you have to kiss a lot of frogs to get to a prince, something Mm. like that, I hate that saying, it's like, (laughs) why why do you have to go through that in the first place, you know, know who you are, know what your values is, know what you want in a relationship, and go for the relationships that match up with that, why do you have to go through the bad guys to get to the good ones, you know, so, And I think with your
0: mindset, you probably are able to attract really healthy relationships in all form into your life, I would imagine, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, you've you've hit on so many key points that I use as a coach even, and, you know, that is understanding your values and how those values translate across the board in everything that you do, whether it's business or love or other relationships or mothering or Parenting and, you know, understanding what your values are and what is most important to you in the whole wide world is critical, probably a key to any successful relationship, right? Yes, definitely.
2: And every relationship, I mean, family as well, but especially, Mm -hmm. I think, romantic relationships because they can take a lot out of you. I mean, every time you go into a relationship, one way or the other, you're going to end up changed. You know, if the relationship fails, Something will have been taken away. something's will have been added. If it doesn't and you stay together, then you have a whole lifetime of change coming your way, you know? Right. So either way, you have. I think it's very important to know who you are going into a relationship because mm-hmm. that relationship is going to change you in some way, whether it's for the good or for yeah. the bad stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't define you. Um, I think it's important to know, and, and we point this out to people all the time as coaches, that... Um, we can never go into any kind of relationship with hopes of changing the other person. That's just not our job. (laughs) Yeah. So it's important that I think you have such a great message that if there's any woman out there at any age hanging on to a relationship or any man Mm -hmm. hanging on to a relationship waiting for their, their spouse or loved one to, to change then You know, the change comes from within, and the place to start is within our own selves. And sometimes that change is reflected back to us, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. What a lot of knowledge. We're going to go into a break again in in about a minute. And so when we come back, one of the things that I'd love to hear from you are some of those, um, those warning signs that you have found a frog and that he's just not the guy that you know, you think he is, and I'd love to hear that, because I know that what happens oftentimes, even in adult relationships, is that we see those warning signs, and not only do we totally ignore them, but, you know, we don't talk to any of our friends about them, because they're just not, they don't feel significant or important at the time, but then after you break up, it's like, whoa, where (laughs) was I? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to come back from the break and, and visit some more with this wonderful Grace Hatton, 17-year-old author of The Guide, Roses, to the Regrets, and uh, it's a wonderful guide for teenagers and of all ages.
1: Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's The Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka, and we'll be right back after these. Join Learning and Laughter with Louise every Wednesday at 9 Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Toginet to discuss fun, fascinating, and educational topics. Each week, Louise will be talking with a variety of guests, ranging from authors, educators, parents, filmmakers, athletes, and entrepreneurs, just to name a few. You know, when it comes to learning, the sky is the limit. And so will the topics that are covered here on Learning and Laughter with Louise. Louise Adler is a school psychologist who has worked within the fields of special education and bilingual education. She also owns a successful company, Signing Families that creates DVDs and special workshops to teach sign language and instructional products for people of all ages and needs. With new DVDs coming out soon, check our website for more information at signingfamilies.com. From time to time, Louise will be joined by her daughter, Natasha Sattler, who will give a college-age perspective to the show. Support so that morning cup of coffee and join us here on Toginet every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central. You never know who will show up for Learning and Laughter with Louise on Toginet.com. Let's chat it up with Bloom Talk with Barb Scala on Toginet, Thursday afternoons at 3 Eastern, 2 Central, and find out how women are growing, blossoming, and blooming in their friendships and careers, health, and so much more. It's Bloom Talk with Barb Scala. Check out our website, bloomwithbarb.com. Whether you want to transplant your life or just do a little pruning, Bloom Talk will inspire you to cultivate the lifestyle you want to live. Join lifestyle coach and co-author of Sanity Savers, Barb Scala, each week on Bloom Talk and sprout your dreams. Grow your life.
0: I hear a lot from women. I want meaning in my life. I want a fulfilling life. I want to do something that's exciting. and I can control my life instead of my life controlling me. I can tell the world this is who I am and, and this is what I'm all about.
1: Barb will introduce you to dynamic guests and real women who are redesigning, re- building and reinventing their own lives and bloomstorm how you can dream create and grow the lifestyle you want to live it's bloom talk with barb scala thursday afternoons at 3 eastern 2 central on toginet.com welcome back to the million dollar mindset if you're ready for a big change in your work your career your happiness your life it all starts with attitude and marla is here to help it's the million dollar mindset part of the her inside network on toginet.com And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka.
0: And we're here today with someone who truly exemplifies the million-dollar mindset beyond what a normal, average, typical 17-year-old probably should. Grace Hatton is is not only the author of an Amazon bestseller, The Guys, the Roses, and the Regrets, but an author of 14 other novels. Is that right, Grace? Yeah, um... And they haven't been published
2: yet, but I do have, I think it's more now, I have like um, 16 completed novels, and that's full length, you know, 50,000 plus words know, novels completed. Oh. So um, hopefully they'll be published in the future, but they haven't been yet. But they are completed.
0: Ready to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they they certainly will be. So we were talking, Grace, about, you know, the frogs and the princess and and, and and don't go out searching and, and don't wait and, and all these kinds of things. And so I'm curious in a relationship, especially for someone young and impressionable, um, but I think this applies across the board, really. How do we know when we're in a relationship with the frog? What are the warning signs?
2: Yeah, well... To me, I think a lot of times people focus way too much on the superficial material things when it comes to relationships. You know, he's not tall enough, he's not short enough, he's not, he has blue eyes instead of green eyes. I don't think that's the main thing that goes wrong in relationships. I truly believe it's the character and the makeup of the guy. And so um, one of the things I say in my book is that you have to look at his character. You have to look at whether he's the same with you, and this is especially true with teenage boys and men, is he the same with you? as he is with his friends, you know, because a lot of guys and teenage boys will put on a show to mm. get your attention, to make you like them, but then when they're with their friends, it's kind of like, hold on, this is a completely different guy, you know? Um, mm. So that's always a warning sign, because you want to be with someone who's truthful and honest, and honestly, who is comfortable enough in their own skin to be them with you, you know? You don't want to have to be with someone who's constantly putting on a show, because that's just fake. The whole relationship would be fake that's one of the warning signs. The other thing is um, looking at, like I said, his character, look at his beliefs. I always say, you know, when it comes to face, does he have the same face as you? Does he have the same beliefs and the same wants and desires? Because yes, you can be in a relationship with someone who's on, you know, the whole opposite attract thing. And that's true with the superficial stuff. I really don't mind if you're a ballet dancer and you're in a relationship with a hip hop dancer. That is superficial. The important thing is his character if he has, like I said, the same beliefs, the same wants, the same desires, the same goals in life, or at least the same general, you know, makeup Mm -hmm. of a person. And I don't believe that as a teenager you don't know that yet. I honestly believe that's a lie that, I don't want to say institutions, (laughs) but, you know, we've been told as teenagers that, oh, you're only a teenager, you don't have to know who you are yet, you know, to get through high school. I believe that's a lie. I believe that everyone has a choice figure out who they are and to really grab a hold of that and stay convicted to that, whether you're 16 or you're 65, you know. And so looking at the guy, you should be able to see that. You should be able to see if he is on the same page as you. And if he has good character, you know, you don't want to be with a liar. You don't want to be with a cheater. If he's cheated before, he's going to do it again. If he's been a major liar before, he's going to lie again. You know, like we said before, you're not the thing that's going to change him. You're not right. going to suddenly change all his habits and all his characters. If something, you know, is kind of annoying you and kind of niggling in the back of your head, like, I don't really like that, you know. That, that's really a warning sign. You know, trust your gut. Trust the little things because it's only going to get worse over time as he is more comfortable with the relationship. Those little things that annoy you are just going to get bigger and worse as, you know, the relationship develops. And mm-hmm. so that, that's it's hard to put it all together. That's kind of my main thing is his character if he has the same common footing as you, and just making sure that he's a good guy, you know. And I think everyone has that in them. Everyone has that kind of radar. And trust your gut, you know. Trust little things that kind of annoy you. It's not, mm-hmm. you should, I think it's better to deal with them than to look over them and then bite you in the butt later on. Kind of thing. <laughs> so
0: those, those kind of Right. And that's something a lot of people don't do well, the um, trust your gut yeah you know following the intuition how do you help people with that how do you help people understand what is the difference between intuition and following your instincts and and just having an off day or being a negative person well that's
2: i think it's harder with girls you know you have honestly you have your and all that fun stuff that kind of messes you up some days um but and this is actually one of the things I'm talking about in my second book when it comes out, is knowing who you are. If you know that, you know, I know I'm, I'm a confrontational, loud person. I know that. You know, it's not one of my best qualities, but I know that. So I know that if I'm going, yeah, it's more me than anyone else, you know. And I also know that I'm very decisive so that when something like that comes up, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to confront about it because that's just who I am. And if mm-hmm. you have a girl or a woman who's not, you know, more quiet, not really very confrontational, but she's still having that little gut feeling, then mm-hmm. for her it's just a slower process, you know, than getting it out. But I don't think you should ever ignore it. I think everyone has different ways to understand their gut. Um, for me, I truly trust in the Holy Spirit as my gut and God as my gut. Um, and then other people just know, you know, everyone everyone knows their own gut,
0: if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it's a matter of really tuning into that gut feeling and really listening and trusting it. Trusting yeah. it is a big part of that, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you have your faith that has really helped you through that trust yeah. uh, part. A lot of teens, a lot of people don't necessarily have that. Um, and I know that teenagers sometimes feel like nobody, they might think they know who they are, but nobody else can understand who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And and mm -hmm. it's hard. I
2: mean, when when you're still, because as a teenager, you are still developing. I completely agree with that. You know, when people say some things might change as you get older, because circumstances change you. And it is hard when you're 16, 17, and you're still kind of going through that "Eh," stage when people Mm -hmm. say, oh, well, you should be this, or you should be this. And, you know, it kind of messes you up. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things I really want to teach, especially young women, just because, oh, guys, but, you know, I relate more to teenage girls, because I'm a teenage girl, you know, Uh I think that it's it's important to really understand yourself and to not doubt it, you know, as a teenager, like I said, a lot of people can be like, you have to be this, you have to be this, that's not true, you know, I was told when I first wrote my book, I was told that I had to finish high school and I had to go to college before I could publish my book, but I knew in me that that book had to be published for teenage girls, I knew that, and so you really have to stick to your guns I think, as a teenager, and just know, know what you like, know what you don't like, and know that sometimes it might annoy people, it might offend people, but that's part of the process of becoming who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's part of that, realizing who you are. And the sooner you start, the better. I mean, I've had 12-year-olds, because I do a lot of mentoring programs, and I've had some 12-year-olds who say who you are, and they're like, I don't know. You know and then I've had other 12-year-olds, that say, who are you? And they go, I'm this girl with these goals. And I love that, because yeah. why wait till you finish high school to figure that out? You know, right. why not stop when you're 12 and then know as you're going up through life so you know what you want to do in high school, you know what you want to do in college, and then when you leave college, you have all guns plays, as they say. <clears throat> so it's really just a process, you know.
0: Yeah, and so, Grace, in your opinion, what's a good discovery process for teens to really discover – who they are and what their likes are and what their passions and their dreams are. How do they figure that out? Because it can be very confusing. Yeah, this is like completely going into my second book. <laughs> oh, good!
2: Because <laughs> I have um, a second book, hopefully coming out at the end of this year, called Finding Your are which is the teenage girls about confidence and self-esteem and discovering who you are. And um, I have like five steps in that book. But I tell people, first of all, you have to try new things. Because as a teenager, you're very much cocooned sometimes. And I think it's important to, I think I said this in my book, be a little daredevil. You know, go out and do the things that kind of scare you a little bit but you're curious about. Go do them. Because once you've done it, like, say it's skydiving. I'm not saying every teenager should jump out power But, you know, once you've done it, you figure out if you like it or you hate it. And the things you really love, you can grow and you can develop. And I always say, you know, make sure you do something that gives back. Because I think that develops your character a lot is as a teenager going out and instead of saying, okay, I don't necessarily know who I am, but I know that I can help these people. So, for example, volunteering in a suitcase, kitchen, something like that really does help define your character because it teaches you leadership. It teaches you, you know, if you're a patient person, if you're a confrontational person, if you're better with kids than you are with adults, it teaches you a lot of things and it grows you and you give back and you actually make a difference. So I think that's a huge part, you know, of figuring out who you are, is trying new things, doing the things that are kind of scary. Because, honestly, fear is just it's just something to get over, you know? It's just an emotion. It's not something that right. can stop you. You know, it's the same as joy, it's the same as happiness. It's all just emotions. So you mm-hmm. get over it, you do it, you try it, you love it, you hate it, and then you move on to the next thing, you know? So it's kind of all those steps. I have more, but my mind's going kind of blank right now.
0: <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> no, it's so insane. That's things. a fabulous job you've done. And, you know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking to myself, well, gosh, I sure wish I had a copy of your next book when I was raising my own teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you get out there and market to those moms because, uh, you know, sometimes when you're actually raising a kid and and it's your first, like my girls were twins, so I had both my babies at once. I didn't have experience with another baby. You don't know how far or how hard to push in certain areas, yeah, definitely, and, and it's hard, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to write my books
2: at my age that I am because a lot of a lot of mums and parents want the best of their kids, and it's very hard to find you know like you said the how far is pushing too far, how far is this, and so even though you know in your head that this is really good for my daughter, she should do it when your daughter hears it, it's kind of like my mom's being pushing again, you know. <laughs> so for me it was important to get these books out at the age i am because they can see me as a friend and as a parent someone who's not preaching or being pushy just saying look guys this is the way i did it this is the way i figured out who i was this is the way i deal with relationships." and i'm just giving the information to you
0: mm-hmm. so for the for the moms and dads who may be listening with with preteens or teens at home uh, it's it's a great idea not to necessarily say you need to volunteer and you're gonna start doing that, but to go out and look for Grace Hatton's <laughs> next book <laughs> <I> <laughs> and wrap <we> <laughs> that up and put it in the Easter basket. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, excellent idea. <laughs> I love it. And uh and your first one is certainly a wonderful prelude to that too. It's just I love the values you adhere to, and I think any parent would. And uh, so, even even your first book is sounds like just a great read for any parent. So today we're here with Grace Hatton, and that's www. h a t t o n. and we'll be back in just a minute.
1: Another Way of Living with Susan Dobson is on Toginet. Wednesday evenings at 8, 7 central.
0: Hi, I'm Susan Dobson, host of the new talk show, Another Way of Living. On Another Way of Living, we talk about what I call the unspeakable. When I was growing up, if there was a problem, a pink elephant in the living room, everybody walked around it, nobody talked about it. Sound familiar? Tune in and listen to my guests and callers talk about
1: their solutions to problems just like yours. If you are ready and really want Another Way of Living, then this is your show. Wednesday evening at 8, 7 central, with Susan Dobson.
0: On Another Way of Living, we talk about life, its problems, its challenges, and above all, its solutions.
1: Another Way of Living educates and informs. It makes you laugh. It makes you cry. Plus, the live format lends itself to surprising and heartfelt revelations from Susan and her guests. You'll be surprised by what's shared, what's learned, and what could change. Join us for Another Way of Living with Susan Dobson. Wednesday evenings at 8, 7 central, on toginet.com. And politics into an actual website, and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset, part of the Her Insight Network on TogiNet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka.
0: And we're here today with this just absolutely amazing young person, Grace Hatton, who has not let any obstacles get in her way and truly knows herself and understands her values and is achieving amazing things and sharing that success and the how-tos of it with other teens and, uh, quite frankly, other adults. Because, Grace, I really do think that you're more life-smart than many adults (laughs) who live in our world today. So, So, Grace, let's spend this last segment, part of it anyway, Talking a little bit about the physical aspect of teen relationships, I know that there is so much pressure out there today um, with kids, with teens and sex, and even yeah. pre-teens and sex, yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking of it, of course, because I'm well past my teens, you know, <laughs> um, from a, a parenting point of view. And, um, you know, what can we advise our, our sons and daughters to think about and to really ponder before being pressured into a physical relationship?
2: Well, it's one of those hard things. um, What I say in my book is that you really need to know you before you go into a relationship uh, because at some point you're going to get to that stage. You know, if the relationship lasts, you're going to get to that stage. It's like, should we, shouldn't we? Um, In my opinion, for me, I I always say especially just I don't believe you should tell a teenager to do something that you're not doing. Um, For me, I've chosen abstinence, and that's largely because of my faith, but my own personal reasons as well. And um, in my book, I say, you know, that's my decision. If you choose to go with abstinence, that's great, but make sure you're committed to it because the thing that, in truth, I hate is when a girl, or a guy, but mainly girl's, say that, you know, they want to be abstinent, they want to wait, but then they get to that point and they're really not committed and then they end up having sex, but they're not ready for it and they're not protected because they've never thought about it, you Mm -hmm. know? And so Mm -hmm. I usually say it's like two things, you know, if you're going to be abstinent, that's great. Just make sure you commit to it because it's hard. As someone who has a teenager who's been in a relationship, it's hard when you get to that point, you know, to kind of be like, wait, wait, it's not now, you know, it's Uh hard. Um, But if not, if you don't want to be abstinent, That's fine, but make sure you know your boundaries. When you go into a relationship, before you even start, really, I think as soon as you have the first date, be thinking, okay, this is how far I want to go and I do not want to go. And make that very, very firm in your mind. You know, so this is what I'm willing to do. This is not what I'm not willing to do. And then tell the guy, because I I don't think it's fair in any realm to the teenage guy or to any guy to, you know, get up to that stage, and then be like, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you I'm going to be
0: abstinent, you know? Uh, okay. <laughs> That's just not fair. And wow, it's, that it's, takes it's, such courage, doesn't it? I mean, here you are, you're a vulnerable teenager, and you're out on your first date, and you're asked for a second date, and all of a sudden you're going to sit back and say, hey, by the way, I'm not going to have sex with you. Yeah,
2: I think, <laughs> I don't think it's probably good for the first date. <laughs> but I used to say, if, if you see in your head that you want to be in a relationship with this guy and you know that it's going to you know last a while, just sit down and be like, okay, this is me. This is what I believe. This is what I'm willing to do. This is not what I'm not willing to do. And if you're cool with that, great. If you're not, then you're going to have to deal with it because it's me. You know, and I always say, if he's not willing to deal with that, then he's not worth it. Because you do not want to be in a situation where you're you know, both confused about what you're willing and not wanting to do, and then he's trying to pressure you. It's so much better to get it out of the way at the beginning. Well, honestly, as they say, you can cut your losses. <clears throat> yeah. And if he decides that he's not going to do that, then he's going to go off and he's probably going to find another girlfriend. You know, but you're not going to be stuck in a situation where you're going to be vulnerable and you're going to end up pregnant or, you know, an STD or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's really good just to make sure he knows about boundaries. And honestly... There are guys who are okay with that, you know, um, mm-hmm. especially, in my opinion, as they get a little older and a more mature, because when you're 16, mm-hmm. 15, it's like, mm-hmm, you know, um, <laughs> it's all exciting and everything, but there are guys who are willing to deal with that. And that's one of the other reasons I say, you know, if you do, if you are a faith person like me, if you are a Christian, it's kind of better to date people from your own faith because then they're kind of more prepared for it as well. You know, Mm -hmm. they have the same kind of beliefs. And back to the whole dating someone with the same beliefs, the same characteristics. If you know that you want to be abstinent and you start dating a guy who you know has been sleeping around the entire school, that really doesn't make any sense, does it? You know? Mm -hmm. So even though it's hard, and I agree, it is hard to kind of get over that fear and get over that, oh, he's not going to like me anymore, you know, thing. It's definitely worth it. And it's worth it to get to the guy who's willing to, you know, to be with you for who you are and that includes what your views are about sex, you know? Your views on sex are part of who you are. So
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Very important part. You're right. Wow, that's such a a beautiful, uh, beautifully articulated mindset you have there. And um I think it's important that everybody realizes that the physical piece of a relationship is because you've fallen in love, it's not to make you fall in love. (laughs)
2: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, one of the things I say is the whole, the teenage guys I think use this a lot more than all the guys, but if you love Miguel, you know, if he loved
0: you, he would never Mm -hmm. ask you
2: to do something you weren't Mm -hmm. willing
0: to do. Well, I've got bad news for you, Grace. Sorry? I've got bad news for you. They never stop using that one. (laughs) No, I know, but I know, I know for teenage girls,
2: it's like all the time. So you know, but that's that's my thing. I don't think any true love is unconditional. And if if sex is a condition of that love, then it's not true love, you know. So I always as some of the things I say. look if he ever uses that line, and you think he loves you, it's probably not you know the real Mm -hmm. deal because he's not he's putting a condition on your love, which is kind of not the point of unconditional love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and no matter how much we want to think that we're different, that we're the one who's going to change him and capture his heart, Mm -hmm. um, if he's in that place, that's just probably not true, right? Yeah,
2: and that's why you have to
0: look at his character
2: and who he is, because I know it sucks sometimes, you know, when you meet a really good guy and he's really hot and you know all that and then you find out he's totally not on the same wavelength as you, but... I think it would be better to kind of stop it at the beginning and go through being in a relationship and all that emotion and getting attached to him and then have to, you know, break it off later on. Because that's going to be so much more heartache later on than just saying at the beginning, okay, he's not right for me and he's not right for who I am. And just moving on, you know?
0: It really, really is. And, Grace, you've got a few more things going on. You've got your, your second book coming up soon. Yes. Yeah. And um, you've also got, you know, this movement to uh, create these wonderful schools in South Africa. Are you working with any um, partners with that Well, um, that's
2: the thing. People are shocked at how much I do. Um, but <laughs> the other thing I actually want to do is create a magazine 15-inch Dolls all about self-esteem, confidence, and really encouraging teenage girls to be more than just, you know, boys, makeups, and sex. You know, I want to encourage teenage girls to know that there is more out there and that we can make a difference and we can give back. And so um, the magazine I'm creating, which is called Miss Moxie, is actually kind of partnering with the schools. And one of the things that's happening is, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but there's a program called the Pepsi Refresh Everything program that they Uh just started. And uh, my magazine, Ms. Moxie, is actually in the running for a (gasps) $25,000 grant.
0: Oh, my goodness. And how can we support you? Is there anything we can do to help make that happen? Yes, you
2: can. Because, like, if I get the grant from the magazine, it will support the schools in South Africa. Um, The way the system works is the top ten in your category. So I'm in the $25,000 category. The top ten in that category get the grant. And the way we get to the top ten is by vote because it's all done by votes, you know, oh, all the participation. And so what happens is, um, I can give you the URL. If you go to wwwrefresheverythingcom slash Miss Moxie, we spell Moxie, M-O-X-I-E, that will take you to my page in the Pepsi Refresh Everything, and there will be a nice gray button that says vote for this idea. And if you hit that button, that will help a lot, because it's all done on votes, you know. It's, it's a good system because a lot of them uh-huh. vote. Can so we do it more than once? Want to go can there we and, like, schedule it in? That would
0: be can amazing. We, <laughs> it, can we, we, we can vote more than once? You
2: can vote um, once a day until okay. the end of April. So you get one new vote a day. Um, okay. And just so you know, in order for your vote to count, you either have to create a Pepsi account or log in with your Facebook information. Okay. Um, but when you hit the gray vote for this idea button when you go to the url a pop-up window comes up and it'll ask you to enter either or.
0: okay beautiful so just about everybody and their uncle has a facebook page nowadays yeah that doesn't sound too hard at all yeah wow well i will be happy to get on there and vote often thank you yeah it would be very
2: useful because it was. i mean they only accept a thousand projects a month so when i got accepted it
0: was huge and so now i I just have to get the vote (laughs) So that's RefreshEverything.com slash Miss, M-I-S-S, moxy M-O-X-I-E. Yes,
2: that's the URL, and that will take you direct to my page, and people know it's my page because there's my picture and everything, so.
0: Yeah, and how will you distribute this magazine once it happens? Um, Well, right now it's an online
2: magazine um, just because that was the easiest way to kind of get it up and running without a lot of major startup fees. Um, But the plan is for it to be a three-tier magazine where I'll be an online, a digital copy, and then also a traditional print copy. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things I'm planning on doing is partnering with, like you said, organizations. So I'm very involved with Girl Scouts of America. Mm -hmm. So they're looking to help me and as well as some other church organizations and stuff like that. So it's just a lot of partnership, which is good because it's always Mm -hmm. good to work with other people and, to you know, help each other's um, organizations out. And so once we get it up and running, we're helping to distribute it through things like Golf Scouts of America, um, okay. Boys and Girls clubs, stuff like that, and basically give them free copies to distribute it to their members
0: yeah. and so to kind of get the ball rolling. How beautiful. How wonderful. H- have you ever heard of a coach named Allie Brown? I have not. Check it out. Allie Brown, A L I. B-R-O-W-N, and I'm mentioning her because she has a very similar magazine for women, and I'm just wondering if there couldn't be a wonderful little partnership there, too. Okay, Allie Brown. I will look Yeah. (laughs) Wow, Grace, I just can't even tell you how impressed I am with you and how happy I am that you're walking the face of this earth because, you know, so many are are just going to grow and prosper and learn and, um, you know, sidestep heartbreak because you're here with us and yeah. so thank you for being with us today thank and you again, for having me absolutely Both for grace refresh everything.com slash miss moxie yes, <laughs> okay yeah we'll do it often at grace hatton dot com is where you'll find her and all of her wonderful books let's do this again grace thank you so much Definitely.
2: thank you for having me
1: Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Chabaka on the Her Insight Network on TogiNet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get